What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to just throw this in in the beginning. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That really helps our numbers. Also, check out the merch store at brennantcomedy.com slash merch store to get your ex-drinking buddy merch. And if you really want to, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash brennantassif. That really helps me out. Um, I'm so happy uh, to have everybody who listens. And thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Grab me a beer and grab him a coke. We about to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do. Hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble and reminisce about old stories. I am sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Hang out with a friend and reminisce about the good old days. Most weeks I will be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from New York City, Joshua Pallet. <sighs> How are you, sir? So nice Good. to be here today. How exciting. I feel like this is an intervention. Am I getting <laughs> sat down? Is, is my mom going to come in next? My fiance is going to come in, tell me to stop drinking? I wanted to let you, um, the listeners know. So you are uh, friends with Kevin Sanchez, the I guest am. that we had on last week. Yeah, that's my bud. Yeah, and he uh, reached out. He goes, dude, I got a guy you need to have on the podcast. Yeah. So here we are. Look at him ratting me out wherever <laughs> he goes. Frickin as, soon, as soon as he found out what the show was about, he's like, I got a guy for you, yeah. man. So to plug everything up front, I always like to do this in the beginning. Plug your podcast, any dates okay, well, you're you coming can, up, anything like that. You can that. follow me on Instagram at Joshua Pallet, P-A-L-E-D. Uh, I have a, a weekly mic at the Producers Club. I also produce shoes, uh, shows there on Saturday nights. So hit me up, come watch a show, follow me on Instagram, and uh, see where I'm performing. Perfect. And then are you still doing the podcast? We are doing the podcast. It's on a little hiatus right now, but you can follow at the Mac. Almanac. It's a really cool, fun relationship lifestyle podcast. So check it out as well. Perfect, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I thank really appreciate you. it. Um, I always like to get to know the guests before we kind of get into some of the crazy stories. So you you are from New York, correct? I'm from Queens. Yeah, You're from Queens. Yeah. All right. I was born with the Yankee hat on. <laughs> and then how have you? Um, how did you kind of get into stand up? I always like to ask this, and it, it always ends up being comedy related. I've had some actors and musicians on, but it's mainly comics. But right. how did you get into stand up? Were you always a fan of stand up or comedy, or how did that even work? Well, I wanted to be a stand up comic since I was born, since I was a little kid. Yeah. And uh, I danced around it for many, many years because I was just scared of doing it. You know, yeah. It's not a very pleasant experience when you first I had a breakdown start. last night. Yeah, no. And I, I've been doing this for a long time and I had a breakdown oh, last night. Thank God you're not drinking anymore because yeah. <laughs> breakdowns and alcohol don't work out. No, really no. Well. <laughs> I literally walked from the stand to the World Trade Center. Like oh, just thinking. Nice. Like what the fuck did I do? Like why what the fuck did I do? Did you take those towers down? Why are we <laughs> Why were you feeling well, so guilty? I, no, it was just one of those things where, like you said, like it's one, it's 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 scary, like it's hard, right? And I've been doing comedy for a long time, and then I moved to New York within eighteen months, and I it's one of those things where you have so much going on, and then right. you have nothing going on, right? And last night it kind of hit me where I like last week I I had a couple of shows booked, and I had like people like asking to come on the podcast, and like hey like like let's do this, and I was like all right cool. 
And then literally a week later, I was like, I don't like my guest situation for this next week was like fucked and I had no shows and I was at the stand where I know a lot of people, but like no one I knew was there. there. And I was kind of like, yeah, I was like, I'm alone. Right. I'm all alone. And I was like, what the fuck? Right. It it is a what the fuck, but I learned the trap of it. And the trap is always whenever I'm feeling okay with myself in life, shit's going to go bad. Yeah. The other shoe always drops. So the secret is just always feel like shit. (laughs) And you will always never be disappointed. Exactly. That's that's the way you get by. So you you danced around it. How were you introduced to stand? Like, how did you even know it was a thing to do? Was that coming up in New York or was that? Uh, I mean, my father was a funny guy. My father was a very funny dude. My father was an Israeli gangster. Yeah. Yeah. And he owned like nightclubs and strip clubs. Oh, no, he was like yeah. legit. Yeah, yeah. He was legit. He owned a chain of strip clubs in the Northeast called Goldfingers. It was a really big strip club. Okay. And, uh, you know, growing up around him and his crazy life, you know, it sparks lunacy and and humor and to survive around that because I would be put in very, you know, non-childish precarious situations. I I remember when I was like, I think I was like seven years old. I think like a bunch of swingers rented out my father's nightclub. This is before it was a strip club. Yeah. And I have like a vague memory of them, you know, because he would just leave me and just do his own thing. And I would just walk (laughs) around the nightclub. And I remember I happened upon the dance floor, and it was the middle of the day. It wasn't nighttime, and I'm pretty sure there was a a gangbang going on in the middle of, of the, the middle club. of the day. Like the it was just a big club. swinger party. And then I remember somebody came up, and they were like, "Oh shit, Steve's kids here!" And like they took me and brought me downstairs. Oh my god! Yeah. So if you're wondering what's wrong with me, that's what's wrong. With me. <laughs> the middle of the day swinger party i always say there's certain things that should not happen until the sun goes down stand up being one of them and Agreed. then also a swinger party Agree. so what what were you doing before stand up you said you danced around it were you doing like improv or like plays i or? did i well i i did i tried stand up when i was like 20 years old I okay think, 21 and open mic or at no, a I did talent a, show or? i did something at governor's comedy club it was like a comedy seminar thing where you okay. perform and i ended up doing that and I was I was really fat at the time. I used to be morbidly obese. So okay. I was like four hundred something pounds. Jesus yeah. Christ, you weren't kidding. No, and I, I had to take seat. that Dan Lamort. And I invited all my friends and they came and they watched the show and they were like, You were fucking amazing and had a great response from the crowd. But then we went to go watch our tapes with the rest of the class. Yeah. And I had that was the first time I had seen how fat and I had gotten on video and I was just disturbed by it. So I stepped away from comedy, mostly because of my own ego. I was Yeah. I was hurt by my but fat. But you, you would never – God, that's interesting because I – when I stopped playing football, I, I shot up to about 315 pounds. Yeah. And that was from every day, you know, getting drunk and then going to Taco Bell at 3 in the morning. Right. Because you're starving and right. then just going to bed. And I remember looking at pictures with people and some of them I was like, ah, I look okay. You know, because you're taking like, hey. Right. It's the angle shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do a bit on that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See? And then – um. And then I remember I was holding my baby niece, my twin sister's firstborn, and I was holding her. She started to breastfeed off you. <laughs> that's a bit. I'm taking that. But uh, no, but I was holding her and someone took a picture. They're like, oh, that's so cute. But when you're holding a, an infant child, you're not like, oh, suck in your stomach. Lift right. up your head. You're you comfortable. Know? Yeah. And then I saw that picture and I was like, oh, my God. Devastating. Like, that's right? disgusting. Yeah, yeah. And so I, the same kind of thing, though. I was like, I have to get back into some sh- sort right. of shape. Right. So how long did you take a break from comedy for then? Uh, 16, 17 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you were like, I'm just not doing any of that. I just I, – I stepped away from it and then – 
I was like, all right, I'll figure a way to get doing it. So I, I started becoming an actor. I went to New York Film Academy. And oh, started, wow. Okay. And I did like sketches and stuff like that and some like dramatic, um, you know, stuff on TV. But the thing was, <laughs> no, no pornography. You know, you give me that. No, I, I thought you were doing that on purpose. You went some dramatic. That was. I, yeah, that I was. Thought, I thought that's, that's my drama phase. So uh, he has one look. Little Zoolander for you. So I, you know, I, I I danced around it. I did that. Then I got into improv comedy. Okay. And uh, I did improv for about five years, and I was really good at it. Did you or like the, it? Yes and no. Okay. So the reason I did improv is because I was too scared to do stand up on my own. Yeah. You know, to stand on that stage by yourself and possibly fails. Uh, it's a disturbing thing. It's very vulnerable. It's very vulnerable. So I started doing improv, but the thing was, have you ever done improv before? No. It's Improv is comedy, but with rules. Yeah. Which makes no fucking sense. I'm, I'm very familiar. I've had a couple improv people on, and of course, at open mics in Florida, like we'd get some people come in and do improv. Right. So I'm aware of the structure, but I'm not I'm not very clear on all the rules. Like I know yes and, everybody knows that one. But. Right. That's the that's like the fundamental of it. Yeah. But then they have things like called like Harold's and shit, and it's like different games, and everything's very structured, and I, I'm not a very structured guy. So I would get up you there, and I would take over the stage i wouldn't pay attention to the rules i would just do whatever the joke was because to me the point is to make people laugh yeah and we would tear the house down and people would love it but the, when you do improv it's usually you and another team or another two teams and you know you go in and they sequence. didn't like that very much they fucking hated me they're like that's not improv i was like nobody fucking laughed at your stupid show they laughed at mine didn't they so shut your mouth there's the rule make were, people laugh you were like uh what is that tom hanks movie you're like look at me look at yeah. i'm the captain right now. exactly i am the comedian now <laughs> So how long? You said you did that for six years? Five years. Five years. Uh, it crescendoed. I was uh, an invited performer at the Toronto International Improv Festival. Holy shit. That's yeah, a big deal. In 2007. I thought it was at the time. Um, coincidentally, so when I joined this improv troupe, I, there was a girl in the troupe who I was attracted to, and she was really nice to me, and I was like, I'm going to lose weight to get this girl, and that's okay. when I started losing so weight. So you were still 400 when you were doing the improv? Uh, I was... At my heaviest, I was uh, 480 pounds. What? Mm. I yeah. thought you were going to say like 395 no. and you just round up to no, four. 480. No, 480. You're almost at five. 480. I had one of my childhood friends who's like, we should go to Weight Watchers. So she took me to Weight Watchers. I hope you've never been. No. And uh, I hadn't weighed myself in like five to 10 years. Yeah, why would you? You know, it's like fat. You know it. You know? <laughs> and I get. I get there, and, and what you don't know about Weight Watchers is they have uh, these digital scales, not like a regular home scale. It's like a big square for like weighing livestock. <laughs> and they weighed me the first. That's how I knew I was that heavy, that yeah. I was up to 480. It was like 478. And then I came back the next week because I was going to give it a shot, and I lost 15 pounds in a week. And they were like, you lost 15 pounds. And they were all clapping for me. And I was like, what are you fucking clapping at? I still weigh 460 <laughs> something pounds, man. This is a fucking horror show. <laughs> so, yeah. So I didn't go back to Weight Watchers, but I found a way. And I eventually, I lost the weight over like five or 10 years. Okay. So yeah. you didn't like crash diet or anything? No. You just kind of. Well, I wanted to get uh 
uh, gastric bypass surgery, yeah. but I lost my health insurance. Okay. Because I was working as a, a broker on Wall Street. and Oh, wow. Yeah. And my, uh, well, the guy who was who owned our company was getting arrested by the feds, so we lost our health insurance. So I had to, I had to figure a natural way <laughs> to lose the weight. <laughs> the guy who owned the company was being investigated by the SEC. Well, it was the uh, the foreign currency exchange. Oh, okay, yeah. So not even you yeah. was just all Operation over. Wooden Nickel. Is that what it was called? Yeah, yeah. I was, I, you know, I had a, my own office at the time, and I had a, a secretary. She used to walk on my back because I was so fat, and we used to just smoke blunts in the office. And I'm just on the floor, and she's walking on my back, and I had one of those TVs in the corner popping off, and yeah. I, I always had CNBC or one of the financial stations on. And they're like breaking news, Operation Wood and Nickel, and they're showing a guy getting paraded uh, like somewhere in the Wall Street area. And I'm like, yo, that guy looks familiar. And I'm like, no. I was like, that's the fucking CEO of our company. Oh, no. Yeah, we opened up a branch office of some foreign currency trading office. And this guy used to be like the president of the foreign currency exchange, and he ended up getting wrapped up in this like price fixing scandal. So what? what, how old were you when this was happening? I was 24. So were you doing improv at the time or anything yes, like that? That's, okay. That was going on. So because you time. started comedy at, at 2021 and then you well, you did this, the producer's club or the governor's show. Right. And then you stopped doing that and then you got into improv for right. five years. Yes. And then what happened? What happened? Because then there's like a 10 year break from the five years you did improv to stand up. What happened in between? So, that? so I, um, what happened was I met my ex. Okay. I have a kid. Okay. And uh, thank you very much. He's the greatest kid in the world. Shout out to my son, Alex. Um, he's nine years old now. Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Well, no, I just normally, you know. What would you expect? Older, I expected younger, younger. Really? Yeah. Uh, okay. I didn't think you were that much. I didn't think you were, you know, much older than I am. Yeah. No, I'm not. How yeah. old are you? 34. Oh, I am much older than you. Bro. <laughs> we don't have to talk about that, though. No. <laughs> so, no. So, um. You know, sometimes you get into a relationship and it it pulls you away from what you really want to be doing. But I kept acting. You know, I did some films, some independent films. Okay. Um, I did a television show. So oh, shit. I, yeah, I did some cool stuff. I what played, show did you do? Uh, a show for the Discovery Channel called Mobster Confessions. Okay. Yeah, where I, I, pl- I did the, like, the reenactments for a, a guy who ratted on the mafia. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah was... I'll never rat on the mafia, but I'll play a rat <laughs> on the mafia. <laughs> But rat. I'll play a rat. So, um, so you're still in entertainment. You're still doing it. You didn't just, just stop completely. You're I didn't still... stop completely, but um, I basically took over my ex's business. She ran like a real estate business. Okay. And she got pregnant. And, you know, life just pretty much became about business and, and the, the kid and destroying our relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> it's all so, about. You know, I was, you know, we were together for, you know, until my son was three years old and things fell apart and it was then when things completely fell apart and i'd been away from you know even doing improv for five six years it was actually the night that we were splitting up i said to myself i'm gonna i'm gonna go start doing stand-up comedy okay so that's kind of what propelled you well i lost everything yeah you know she's leaving me she's taking my kid she's taking my money she's taking my job i might as well if I'm going to be a loser, do it professionally. Yeah, absolutely. Comedian. <laughs> do it professionally. I got to write that down. Uh, so then when you got back into stand-up, obviously you came up in New York, so you know New York fairly well. Did you immediately start going to open mics or like what? 
Kind of how did you end up to like doing what you do now with producing the show and the podcast and all that kind of stuff? Well, again, I started uh, with like another stand-up 101 class at Gotham Comedy Club. Shout out Gotham. Um, So I did that. You know, and obviously anyone who- Speaking of mobsters. Yeah. (laughs) But- uh, Just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm a bringer mobster. I'm gonna bring you and five of your friends. Hey, you guys, come in, sit down, and have a have a have a lobster. It'd be nice. Have a nice lobster with your comedy. Um, yeah, no. So I, you know, I did something like that, and then, you know, you gotta just do these freaking open mics. Yeah, and I, I started hitting them these open mics. Actually, what happened was I met. One of the world's craziest alcoholics in the world. I'm surprised Kevin didn't tell you about this guy. Who? So there was this guy. His name was Adam Morris. Okay. Okay. So Adam was taking this comedy thing with me. And apparently had he had taken this class like 12 times and just paid for it. And it's like a $600 thing. Holy he, shit. He just kept paying for it. And I couldn't understand why they kept letting him in there because he was just a drop down like a a drunk guy off the street, like slurring and like cursing, screaming at the janitor. But he just kept paying for the class. But he so they paid him kept... like seven thousand yeah, dollars. So, so they they're like, leave him go here, up. Yeah, you know. So uh, Adam came to me. He's like, he's like, hey, I know this great Mike in Queens. You should come with me. Like. He fell in love with me. He told me I was his favorite comedian. Really? So, yeah. And me, with a weak ego, I was like, oh, this guy thinks I'm great. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. You know? Of course. So is he actually doing comedy? Like at other places, not just at the Gotham show? Yeah. He was okay. doing open mics. Okay. He was okay. doing it for like a couple of years at this point. I mean, just- he, he was, the thing was when he was coherent, and, and he was coherent for the first 25 beers. Yeah. So after he drank a case, then things started to fall apart. But if you caught him in his sweet spot, he was actually a funny, he had great stories. He was from like Maryland and he was a crackhead and he grew up with crackheads and oh, he was shit. a drug dealer. Crazy, crazy stuff. And so he brings me, brings me to Queens. We go to this, uh, we go to this bar in the middle of fucking nowhere in Maspeth, Queens, and we did open mics there. And then him, Kevin, Kevin showed up there, and we started a podcast there with our yeah. friend Jonathan. And uh, things were going really well for the beginning. We started; it was called the uh, the Queens Mafia podcast, and we did it out of the bar. We did it like <clears throat> three, four times, and by the third time, he just got so belligerent. Adam did, yeah. He just he was like cursing at us, and he was like making fun of like my kid, like saying like the worst shit in the world. We were like, yo, Adam, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know, like just get out of here, you drunken lunatic. And he was just so belligerent that we threw him out of the podcast. We're wow. like, you're fucking done. You're out of here. And wow. then and then we produced a like we had a show with like it was gonna be like our big debut. We had like 30 people coming and everything. And he came and he destroyed the entire show. Oh no. Yeah. He came his drunk and he wanted a fist fight. And you know, and I was contemplating Beating the living shit out yeah, of this I was guy, you say, know, like it... he's threatening me, he's threatening the podcast, and like I, I knew for a fact, like this guy's he's made out of like uh, a wet spaghetti noodle <laughs> soaked in vodka, like he was well, a mush. And sometimes, uh, like I, I know a lot of people say, violence is never the answer, but sometimes it can be a pretty good answer. Well, the thing was, I was going through separation. I'm fighting yeah. for custody of my kid. Yeah, like, so you I can't. Have to be, you can't. Do I got to be like on my like best yeah. behavior because anything you do wrong is going to be used against. Of course. You. Like even if it's something you don't technically get in like legal trouble for, but if some, if you know, if your ex finds out, she's going to be a, like, it's a, hey, a character attack. Yeah, exactly. You know? And she could definitely use that against me. Yeah, and she would have. So I ended up. 
<laughs> I ended up taking the the three beautiful uh, flight attendants that I had brought with me there, and we left. Okay, we, and we went somewhere else. And you so, know, did the show happen or not at all? Not really. Oh, like, man. I think Kevin stayed behind and of did course. a set. Yeah, because Kevin was like, "I'm not leaving. I got stage time." Of and <laughs> and uh, so we left and. Never spoke really with Adam, you know, again, like I cut him off and shit. I was like, this guy's a fucking lunatic. He kept trying to like pop back in, but we just. How know, long ago was this? This was four years ago. Okay. So we cut him off and, uh, you know, I, I was really pissed. I was like, you fucking ruined our show. Like it would have been a great show. But in my head, I was like, you know, if I would have hit this guy, if he would have, even if he didn't get really badly hurt, he could have got badly yeah. hurt. He could have fucking died, you know? You know, people get hit, they fall down, they hit their head. That's the, what I was just about to say. That's the one thing that terrifies me is not hitting someone. It's, it's them what falling happens. backwards, exactly. cracking Oh, my neck. Yeah. Oh, it's a paraplegia. Now I've got to push you around for the rest of yeah. my life. Or you're getting booked on, you know, incidental manslaughter Jesus, or murder yeah. too. And you're That's, like, oh, well, this and is that happens, cool. Dude. Yeah, it happens all it the ha time. That <laughs> I didn't want that to happen yeah. to me, but it still, it irked me. You know, I was like this fucking guy, you know, but flash forward about eight months later, uh, one of the guys from our old podcast, uh, he calls me and he tells me, he's like, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm like, what happened? He goes, Adam died. What? Yeah. Apparently he got, he was always super drunk. He, yeah. He slipped in the shower. And cracked his head and he died in yeah. the shower. So that could have been me. I could have been spending the rest of my life. If I wasn't patient enough to wait eight months for him to kill himself. <laughs> so just let your enemies kill themselves in the shower. That's how it is, man. Just let, especially in my experience being the alcoholic that I am. If people just got out of my way, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll destroy myself. Yeah. Like, you don't have to do anything. Absolutely. You, yeah. You'll be all right. Like, just get, be mad at me from a distance and eventually something terrible is yeah. going to happen. Just wish it. <laughs> wish it and your wish shall true. So now, we fast forward and now you like we were talking about earlier you have the podcast and you're producing shows and stuff right do you do do you do anything else other than the podcast and uh stand up do you still do improv or act or anything I still like act. that okay. yeah i still act shot a couple films yeah this year. i've tried i've tried to because i used to do stage when i was younger like right. you know a lot of kids but my parents were like this guy we got to get him in for like something like this guy is, yeah because i was unbearable like i'd I would walk around the house just doing different voices, talking to myself, okay. like having full on con like okay. I'd be well. <laughs> so I learned at a very young age I could mimic voices. So okay. like I would do like Ace Ventura, or I would do like Let me hear your Ace Ventura. I can't do it anymore. Come on. Uh, I used to walk around the house and just. Yeah, this is, reminds me every time I go home. My dad's always like, "Do the De Niro, do it," and I'm always like, "I don't want to." A little bit. I used to do the. Uh, I used to do the Pacino, which is easy. That's just hua. Okay. And you just walk around doing All that. Right. The one that I really liked doing was uh, Christopher Walken. That was one of my wow, ow, wow, ow, ow, wow. <laughs> Whisper, yeah, it's gonna change your vernacular. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And then the De Niro is just a face. Everybody knows that, right? Okay, dishes, drama dishes, right? Um. But I used to, yeah, I used to do like the alrighty then and like the do wow. not go in there and all you, that stuff. You have a sister, you said, right? Yeah, twin. I've got an older sister, twin sister, and an older brother. But I was the only one that was like that. Mm. So my family was like, we need to get him in something. Like right. this is unbearable. That's really nice. So I started doing stage. <laughs> yeah. Get him well, out listen, of that. My family didn't say anything to me. Well, but. so I started doing stage stuff. And then, you know, fast forward to I moved to New York. I grew up. And then a lot of these, a lot of comics, like uh, at open mics and bar shows and stuff are like, hey, are you on backstage? 
Right. And I was like, is that like backpage? Like, right. what are, we, what are you guys doing? You're selling your ass? Yeah, like, what's happening? And they go, no, backstage, it's an app where you can audition for stuff. And I was like, oh, so I guess we all kind of try to do everything. Yeah, like, of course. We try to get into acting and stuff. And I have a bit about it, but New York's one of the only places in the world I've ever been where uh, comedy is my entire life. I put my entire life into comedy. And it's weird because then you'll meet people who like failed at acting, failed at modeling, and now they're, they're just super hot people. And they're like, yeah, I'll try stand-up. It doesn't right. look that hard. And it's like, right. Well, that's I- my story. That's, <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> It's like I put my whole life into this, and right. it was like, yeah, I'll try oh, it. No, that's the fucking worst. And I'm only, and, and you then, get some like twenty something year old model from like Lisbon. Yeah, and they're, they're like, just like I'm gonna, and, and everyone laughs like, ha, 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 she's so hot, she's <laughs> so funny. Or he, I've met a couple guys where everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. I'm like, you're just saying that because he has six buttons down in his chest, right? And out. Right. But um, Kevin Sanchez <laughs> got, got his whole tit up. But uh. So then, so you're still doing acting and everything, yeah. And then, but stand up, stand up's your main thing. Right? That's my love. I mean, yeah. that's that's what brings me the most joy. I mean, I love acting. I like creating stuff. Um, but nothing takes you to where like that freedom and that feeling you can get from having a good set on. Stage. And also that fear. Like I, I the thing I love about stand up is the rush. Yeah, that like this could go very badly. And yeah. I've talked about this before, but because I talk about a lot of dark stuff, like mm. stuff that's happened to me. It can turn into a TED talk about addiction very quickly if the audience isn't in on the joke. Right, right. And then all of a sudden you're like, guys, I'm like, this is funny. And they're like, no, this is, this is sad. This Mm. is serious. And I'm like, what? No. And I, I've been working a lot more. It's funny. I swear. (laughs) I swear to God. I've been working a lot more on, uh, a lot of my friends, like professional people who just do comedy full, like, like pass at a bunch of clubs and stuff. They're always like, you need to be sillier. Right. They're like, when we hang out with you outside of when you're on stage, right. like you're fun and you're silly. And they're like, we think you're hilarious because we know you. Right. They're like, but when you get on stage, the audience doesn't know you. So okay. if you get up and the, you open with the bit about, you know, your friend from the halfway house killing themselves, right. like that's not, that's not the way to open because these people don't know you. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a funny bit about dick pics right and they're like yeah but they don't know that right <laughs> you just talk about someone ODing, and i was like yeah i mean i guess you're right. i i love doing suicide bits i yeah. like that shit i have a whole bit about uh i don't know i don't i, I want to say yeah it we're getting too shoppy yeah, right you know, well not only are we getting too shoppy but it, there's a couple suicide bits that i have but it's in relation to certain people that might listen and be like hey Oh. Don't talk about that person oh. on your podcast. Okay. So let's move on. Uh, Tell me about that after. <laughs> Let me hear all your suicide stuff. What um, I wanted to ask you because you are you're you're a party guy. You like to you yeah. like to have a good time. Yeah. And that's and that's what we love here on the show. Mm. I wanted to get into some uh, some of the stories that you sent me because we were talking about it a little bit um, off air before we came in. Right. But I was telling you how booze was my biggest thing, and then uh, I used to do a lot of cocaine. Mm. But uh, you. You and I both kind of related on the fact that booze is one of the hardest things to just kind of like yeah. stop doing because it's so readily available and it's so much fun. Yep. It's so much fun. Yeah. So when did you start drinking? Was it at the nightclubs and stuff with your dad? Yeah. I was about five years old. Really? Yep. Fuck yep. off. Yep. Yeah. I have I have memories because, again, like remember I told you I, I walked into the swing yeah, party? Yeah, that's why I assumed it would have been so like it around was, that time. It was, a two, it was two levels to the club. I think it was two. Maybe there was like a, another top part. But he would leave me downstairs in the bottom bar because they had bars on every floor. And 
back in the day, I don't know if they still, they don't, they use like plastic tipped ones now, but it used to be these metal pours okay. on, on the tops of bottles. Yeah. And I, I remember like the long, the like, long metal yeah. pours and I used to be back there for hours. So I just remember going behind the thing and taking a swig out of random bottles, mostly spitting it out, but I'm five fucking years old, six years old. I don't know what the hell's in there. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was when <clears> I first started drinking. When I started drinking for like getting an effect, probably yeah. like nine years old. Okay. And yeah. was this. Was this uh, like a, a daily occurrence or was this like every once in a while? Because I'm sure you were at the, the nightclub all the time. Well, the nightclub, not really. The nightclub, I was there more often when I was younger, like when okay. I was seven, eight, nine. But when I was 10, 11, he turned it into a strip club. Okay. So you can't really hang out in a strip club legally when you're eight, nine years old. But um, I mean, I mean, I did at certain times. Yeah. But it's like not something you can do frequently. But yeah, no, when I was... My, you know, my parents divorced when I was a baby. Okay. You know, my mom was the opposite of my father. Very conservative, straightforward person, hardworking. Dad was a gangster. Um, I almost asked why wouldn't you have stayed full time with your mom then? But then you threw in, I forgot that dad was a gangster. So yeah. Like, yeah. And well, also, he didn't want me. Why do you think I got so fat? You know, daddy didn't want me. But. I lived with my mom, you know, and and oh, so you did live with your. I mom. lived with my mother, okay. not my father. I assumed since you were hanging out at the nightclub and stuff, your dad was like, "No, this is my son." Like, no, I, that was the days he was supposed to take care of me. Okay, He'd have someone now pick me it's up. All coming into now, it's all coming into focus, and then you know, put my leash towards the bottom of the nightclub. So, yeah, no, so you were mainly at home with mom. I I was well. She wasn't home. She was working. You know, yeah, my mom was. Working to take care of me and my sister. She's by herself. Um, so she was doing, you know, 60 hour work weeks. Jesus. I was what they call a latchkey kid. Yeah. So, you know, my job was to wake up in the morning. She was already gone by the time I woke up. Like, wake up in the morning, go to school, come back home, go hang out with your friends, feed your, like, here's money for dinner, feed yeah. yourself. So I was pretty much in charge of myself by the time I was nine years old, you know? So yeah. when you're, Left to your own device, you start doing stupid things. So, like, I, I had a fun thing. I had a childhood best friend named uh, Jordan, and uh, we, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with us. We were like, we were like 10, 11 years old, and we would put on like suits and walk into a bar and order a shot of Jack Daniels. I'm, I'm not joking. Like, There's no way that worked. I swear to God, and I, I'm a semi-religious person. My friend Jordan walked into a bar, ordered a shot of Jack Daniels, walked over to me. We both finished the shot together and left it on. I was like, did they just fucking sell us a shot of whiskey? What? Yeah, yeah. Like, listen, this this was the 80s. Like, yeah, you can do stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I, I get in trouble with this with my girlfriend now, Savannah, friend of the show, because uh, – we always joke about we've been in the service industry for a long time, and I always joke about how when I lived in Daytona during spring break, I never carded anybody. Right, and she's like, "That's super illegal," and I go, "It's fucking spring break. It's Daytona. Like, right. nobody gives a shit." And she's like, "You don't understand. Like, that's like you have to card people." Yeah, and I'm like, "Nah, do yeah. you? <laughs> do you? <laughs> you really? Hey, kid. Yeah, right. <laughs> Please, sir, one more." As long as you tip 20%, I got yeah, no problem with exactly. that. No, but and, – and that's the thing is it seems unrealistic when you – with you talking about it here now right. in this setting. It seems insane. It seems – Well, the thing is I have a nine-year-old now, okay? Oh, yeah. So it, for you, it probably seems even I, crazier. First of all, he'd be in so much trouble. <laughs> I would fucking – and I never hit my kid, but he would get spanked if he did anything like I did. Yeah. And it's just it's it's unimaginable because he's really innocent and like in some ways naive and sweet. I mean, he believed in Santa up until last year, Aww. you know. So like, 
I couldn't imagine it, but me, like I knew everything by that age. Yeah, you know. Well, and it's just different upbringing. So, like, was, yeah, yeah. But I, he has parents present, and I, yeah, did, exactly. You know? Well, and it's one of those things where you tell me that story, and I'm like, that's that I don't believe. And then I think about it, and I'm like, nah, I could actually see that. Yeah, Bartenders no. are getting paid, you know, three dollars an hour plus yeah. tips. Like they, they don't, don't give, give a, a shit, and, and they're also drinking the yeah, entire time. They don't, so. I, they don't give a he's shit. Like, Is that a kid or an old man? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and he's like, oh, it's a kid, so he's obviously not a cop. Right. So he's buying it for his dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely not a cop. Yeah. Right? That's, and that's the thing everyone's always like you have to worry about undercover cops because sometimes they'll get the younger looking cops I'm like yeah but those are like they look between like 17 and 22 this is a, clearly a child yeah Brennan only gives it cop. to 15 year olds <laughs> <laughs> so you're um, working on Epstein's Island then yeah okay. so you know bartending there was okay. fun but uh, you know paid well yeah. anyway uh, <laughs> yeah no by the time I was 12 years old me and that kid Jordan we were hanging out it's so like in Thinking about in hindsight, it's insanity. We were hanging out. Thank God they didn't molest us, but with like twenty-five and thirty-year-old like losers, yeah, like dudes who would like drink beers in the park after a work day, and like we would hang out with them and drink forties. You know what a forty? Yeah, is, yeah. Right? Like we used to, that was that's where it really started. Like drinking forties with and, my friends. You know? And how long were you doing this kind of like behavior? Was this just how life was? You mean like just hanging out and drinking? Yeah, like just hanging yeah, out and drinking. No. Like were you still going to school? Were you still- no, no. Oh, you weren't? Well, not really. Okay. No, I I um, I um, missed a lot of school. Yeah. Like I would, we would skip a lot of school. Junior high school, I made it through. Yeah. Um, I almost didn't because I was failing a math class, and uh, but I, I ended up blackmailing my math teacher to pass me because he told me one semester before school was over, he's like, you know- you failed the first two quarters. Like if you don't pass the next two with like C uh, B's and over, you're not going to be able to graduate. And I was like, fuck man. And I was like, damn, I was like, I'm still not going to school though. Yeah. But uh, I had a, a, I got a, I got cast in the school play and that I was excited about, but I ended up getting thrown out of the play because I would go to the auditions and just do stand up the entire time. Oh, really? I would just stand on stage and make jokes for everybody. So she threw me, I was the lead. She threw me out of the lead, but I went to go watch the play anyway you know and i sat there with another girl who got thrown out of the play and we watched it and there was an intermission and the lady who was running the play was my drama teacher the one who threw me out of it and i went during intermission like every normal man would to have a cigarette so (laughs) like every normal junior high school like every normal 13 year old kid needs a cigarette break so (laughs) so i go to the back of the school and i light up a cigarette and i'm smoking you know and i'm contemplating my loss and I look and I see my drama teacher, the lady who threw me out, making out with my math teacher. Who's married. Who's married at the time. She was newly divorced. He was married. And I fucking, I watched them the entire time. And they didn't see me at first. And I waited till they caught my eyes. Yeah. And then I looked at them and I put the cigarette out and I stepped on it. And I went back in and I watched the rest of the play. And I came back to school. It was like a three-day weekend, I think. And I came back on Monday. And I went, hey, Mr. Peskin. And I was like, so, I was like. About that pass. I got to, I really got to pass. Like, this is the only class that I'm failing out of. Like, you got to make sure, like, you pass me on. He's like, well, you know, you got three more tests. You just got to get a 90 and above on all of them. And I was like. That's not how this is going. I was like, you're married, right? And he goes, yeah, why? I go, I go that was a good play, huh? He's like, what? I go, you like that school play on, on Friday? He's like, yeah, it was good. I was like. It's one hell of an intermission, too. And his fucking face turned pale and his jaw dropped. And I was like, I was like, I'm passing this class. Have a good day. And I 
at 13. And I walked, I walked out of it, and I was like, "Fuck! I hope that really worked." And he gave me nineties for the rest of the fucking holy for shit the rest of the year. And then, like a year or two later, one of my childhood best friends, David, his mother came to school for a parent-teacher conference. You know, when they talk to the parents, yeah. And um, <clears throat> she goes, David's sister was had her had his class, and uh, David's mother goes and talks to this teacher, and he's like. Oh, your son's David, right? Like, yeah. She's like, he's friends with that Josh kid, right? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. She's like, how's Josh doing? He's like, oh, great. He's starting to work on Wall Street now. Because I was like 17 by that yeah. time, you know? And he's like, that's where that kid belongs, man. He doesn't, <laughs> that kid doesn't belong in an institution. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into Wall Street? Like, how did that whole finance thing happen? I was, uh, I was recruited by my neighborhood Coke dealer to go. Work on Wall Street. Were you really? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was my it was my childhood friend and Coke Connect. Yeah. And when did you start doing hard drugs like Coke and stuff? Uh, I I really didn't like start doing like hard drugs until I was. We started taking a lot of acid when we were like thirteen. Oh, Jesus. Fourteen. Yeah. yeah. We were tripping like almost every weekend on acid. By the time we were like fifteen, we did that for like a year and a half. Because you know when you're young, like, acid used to be five dollars a hit. Okay. So for like five or ten bucks, you have an entire weekend adventure. Oh, that's you know? awesome. It's yeah. so cheap, man. You know, highly recommend it. And <laughs> um, yeah, and then you know the rave scene was around at that, that was time. Big, yeah. So like. I, me and my friends weren't ravers. My friends were like thugs, yeah. you know. So, but but they like to only imagine they like to sell drugs and they like to do drugs and party and stuff. So we would go to these raves, you know. And ravers are like hippie type people, yeah, for sure. You know, with their glow sticks and they, we in their whistles and they're having a good time. But my friends were just there to like rob so, people and sell drugs. Yeah. So yeah. like like we would go to a rave. We used to go before we'd go to a rave uh, in the candy stores in New York City. They used to have like little toy sections for kids. Yeah. That would sell like a little cop badge. And a little like little pop gun and little handcuffs. Yeah. And before the rave, I didn't do it, but my friends did. We would go there and buy these, and then the beginning of the rave, we'd walk around and arrest drug dealers. It'd be like, "What do you got on you? This and that." We'd be like, "Let so me see." I hear your pockets yeah. out, and then we would take all their drugs and we would divvy it up and take some of it and then sell it back. Wow, to that's yeah. genius. Yeah, I know. No wonder you got recruited for Wall Street. Yeah, no. The rest of those guys went to jail. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that's it's interesting you say that because for Halloween a couple years because obviously I look the way I look. So for Halloween one year, I was like, oh, that'd be funny. Everyone jokes about how I look like a cop. Right. I should go as a cop. Yeah. And I went to this party and there was a bunch of people there I didn't know. Like obviously I had friends there, but then there were people I didn't know. As soon as I walked in, fucking glasses drop, people yeah. like panic. And I'm like, guys, it's me. Like relax. Yeah, yeah, bro, I the only thing that stopped me looking at a cop was that I got so fat. Yeah. Like, even that guy would get thrown off the forest, even though I've seen some giant fat pig cops. <laughs> huge. Huge cops. I always think to myself, I'm always, it reminds me of that scene in Men in Black where Will Smith is talking shit. Right. And he's like, fucking 20 minutes on a Stairmaster, you chubby <laughs> bastard. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm always just like, I could like just take off right now. Right. And I haven't I haven't played sports in ten years, but I could still outrun you. You know what a titty fluff is? No. That's when you go to like a fat guy and you fluff. Oh his yeah, 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 yeah. Like you just want to be like, here, yeah, now what? Go catch me. Yeah, yeah. But you know they'll shoot you. They'll yeah, shoot you in the fucking back. I've been tased before by one of those heavy duty tasers, and really? that yeah. shit sucks. The projectile. Yeah, one? yeah. The Oof. yellow gun. Were you drunk? No, actually. Um, long story short, I was at a. Uh, football game okay. uh, with some friends in college okay. this was they were freshmen but i had taken a semester off in between high school and college before i played football so this was obviously the season so i was like oh i'm taking time off i'll go visit friends and they're like no matter the outcome of this game we're rushing the field and i was like all right cool let's do it guys yeah 
And then we ended up, the team that they, the school that they went to ended up losing. Right. But it was against a very difficult team that was like ranked number, like three at the time. And we barely lost. Okay. So I was like, we're rushing the field. So I jumped down, I fall the six feet, like onto the field. Okay. And I just start running, assuming everybody's it's with behind me. behind you. It's just you. Just me. And then I hear this, uh, or I feel this like prick in my back. And then I hear, mm. and all of a sudden I go, ah! and I hit the ground. Yeah. 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 Did you was, shit yourself? No, I didn't oh, shit myself. Uh, luckily, I didn't have to use the bathroom because peeing yourself was almost inevitable. Right. And then when the cop walked up, my buddies came running down and we were with their parents. So right. the parents were like, oh my God, he's with us. We're so sorry. We were joking. We didn't think he was actually going to do it. And the cop goes, yeah, to be honest with you, the only reason I tase you is because you're a pretty big guy and I didn't want to have to run after you. And I was like, thanks, man. Nice. I appreciate that. Nice. And you didn't sue them. No, I did, that wasn't a thing when I was yeah. younger. Like Fuck. you didn't when when I was growing up because I've been arrested eight times. And when yeah. I was coming Muscle up, it, thank you. It was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I probably deserve to get that billy club to the face. Like yeah. I, I was kind of talking a lot of shit. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, yeah. you were you were those times when you were arrested. How many times of those were you intoxicated? All eight. All eight. All eight. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm a pretty good kid when I mean, I'm not drinking. I mean, from the stories you told me, you sound like a fucking disaster when, when you're I, drinking. Oh, when I'm drinking, it gets. Yeah. I told you, I talk about it on stage, but one time a guy was flirting with my twin sister, and as he was rolling up his window, he said, well, then fuck you, man, because I was kind of standing in between him. Oh. And I went, I can't hear you. And I took my forehead and I put it through his car window, shattered it. Nice. Yeah. Don't nice. ever knock yourself unconscious before you, you get knocked yourself fight. out? Yeah. Oh. Standing up, I was just knocked out, and then I came to, and I was like, and there was three of them. They all got out of the car, and I was oh. like, Oh, this is going to go poor. Yeah, that's a genius move, man. <laughs> I thought I would scare them to where they're like, get right. the fuck out of here. This, this dude's crazy, crazy, man. So then, I, I, have you been in a lot of fights in your life? A couple. Yeah. You get to that moment where it's like, I'm either going to get, like, I can tell I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me because there's right. three people. Or, or... I can really play it up, use that acting background right. I have and scare them to the right. point where they're like, let's get This isn't worth it. Right. So I was like punching myself in the face and I was like, I'll fucking kill you. And then the one guy who originally <laughs> I had the problem with, I tackled him. And then his friends were just like, hey, man, chill you, out. Well, no, they were like, you're a moron. Like you're on the ground now. So they just started kicking me in the back of the head. Oh. They're like, you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> we're not scared of you. And I was like, oh, that was, that was bad. But I'm crazy. <laughs> So I wanted to ask, how did you get recruited by your buddy to do Wall Street? Like, how did that even happen? So what happened was- I thought you needed like degrees and schooling and all sorts well, of stuff. Well, the, the surprising thing is to become a legitimate stockbroker, you, you don't need any degree, but you have to pass a the Series, series six, 7 and right? a Series seven. 63. Okay. You need the 63 to use the phone and the 7 to do general securities trading. Okay. Um, but what happened was- I. You know, I made it out of junior high school because I, you know, blackmailed, blackmailed math my math teacher. And the problem was I, I ended up being even worse in high school because, like, you know, in junior high school, they still kind of like make sure you're still there every day. I could skip now and there and skip classes. But high school, it's like you're at your own free will. Yeah. So, like, I get up every day and be like, I had like one direction was towards the high school and the other direction was towards the neighborhood pool hall. And I was like, I'm going to go to the fucking pool hall. Yeah. And what happened was it's a, a year into high school, I, I pretty much missed a whole year and a half. Then I, I had to fake my way. I, bro, I fucking, I forged, I forged a, um, a report card. I actually made one on a computer. Yeah, you know, this is like nineteen ninety. Two-ish, four, not three, ninety-four. But like my friend was good with computers, my friend David, and like we fucking we simulated a perfect replica 
of the report card in my high school, but because the, the thing was, I had missed so much classes that they brought me into the dean's office, and I was like, no. I've been in school, but you know they take your attendance yeah. in first period, and I was like, I just haven't been at first period because I oh, know second period. I was like, because I have really bad stomach problems, and I run home every day to take a shit, and then I come back, but I go to all my other classes. So I created this fake report card, and then had all the teachers sign it. So like one report card looked the right stuff, one was the so like she's basically I ended up fooling both of them, and I got away with it. Holy shit! I got away with it. But then year number two, that's genius. It was genius. You basically pulled a bait and switch. I pulled I pulled a bait and switch. I, I, I it was so complicated. I was such a smart kid. If I would have used my like intelligence towards good things, I would have I'd been very successful. Yeah. But anyway, I, I pull off this caper. But then year number two comes around. So now I'm 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 turn- so you make it out of year one right. through all of this Finagling. extensive finagling, and then you're like. So in year two, are you like, all right, I'm going to buckle down and actually go to class? No. <laughs> so year two is coming to a close, and this finagling ain't working anymore. Like I'm like, I can't pull They're it off. They're on to you, yeah. I can't pull it off. I can't pull it off. So, by the way, the way I pulled it off the year before is I, the dean wanted to talk to my mother. So I told my older sister, she was five years older than me, I was like, you have to pick up the f-. And she knew this lady because she went to school, that school, yeah. five years prior. I was like, you need to pick up the phone tomorrow at 11 a.m. and my dean is going to call you and you're going to say that, yes, you know that I came home and I go back to school and blah, 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 and just go along with the story. And my sister's not the brightest bulb in the world, but I was like, she's like, I'm not doing it. And I was like, if you don't do it, I'm going to kill myself. So she had no choice. So I yeah. told her I was going to kill you myself. put her in a hard, a hard position. But she fucking pulled it off because the teacher, the dean called her at like 11 a.m. And, you know, I could only hear her side of the conversation. Yeah. And I'm sitting across from the dean. And she's like, oh, uh, Miss Pallid, you sound kind of young. And and afterwards she went, oh, um, of course not. I'm sorry. Thank you so much for your call, blah, blah, blah. And she hung up. And I found out my sister was like, how dare you question how old I am? And I was wow. like, like, good for you. I was like, that's my sister. sister. coming through. See, we got the con in the blood. <laughs> so what happened the second year? So, yeah, but the second year, like, I couldn't pull the same scam. And they were just like, you're going to get left back. And my biggest fear in the world, they didn't say I was going to get left back, but I knew. If yeah. you're missing so many credits, I got to repeat uh, 11th grade again and I was like I'm not fucking doing that I was like this is my worst nightmare like I used to have nightmares when I was a kid of getting left back in school I thought yeah. it was the worst thing in the world but I had another friend who also didn't go to school and he was like bro or he called me fatso he's like fatso he's like I found a way for us to get out of high school without because the other worst thing that could happen is I had to tell my mom I'm dropping out yeah. you know like oh no He's like, we don't have to drop out of high school. I found this six-week program over the summer. You take this class, and they give you a high school equivalency diploma. It's like a GED, but like one grade higher. Okay. It's basically high school in six weeks. Okay. So so I was like, oh, my God. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to pull it off. So I went, and I, I went to go take this program over the summer. It was in Jamaica, Queens, in a rough neighborhood. And I went there like the first couple of days and like they're giving us practice tests and it's like, what is an isosceles? It's like, what's a circle? They're like, can you do two plus two? And I'm like, is this the fucking, this is, is what the they're test? testing? Yeah. And so I was like, this is retarded. I'm not going to come to this six week course. I was like, I'll just come at the end and, and I'll take, take the, the test. test yeah. Right. So I show up five weeks later and uh, the lady's like, 
this this beautiful black heavy set woman she's like where have you been child and i was like i was like my grandfather died and i had to help my grandmother and she's like oh it's okay and he did coincidentally die it just it was like two years prior and i was helping my grandmother walk the dog but so I was like, Please. just keep that in your back pocket. They don't need. They're not asking. I, I use it till this day. I called in sick from work last week. I said my grandfather died. Uh, <laughs> it's not a lot. He did many years ago, but. <laughs> So I was like, I was like, please. I was like, I'm sorry. She's like, you don't understand, child. She's like, the test is over on Monday. And it was like Wednesday that week. It's only a two day or two, three days a week school thing. So I was like, please. I was like, let me just, let me just try. Can you at least let me try? She's like, she's like, all right, child. Okay. So I show back up on Monday and she goes, where were you Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, you know? And I, I was like, my, my grandfather died. She's like, no, 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 no. You told me that already. She's like, the test started on Friday. It's a two-part test. It's four hours each part. Today is Monday. I can't give you more than the four hours we have today. You don't have enough time to take the whole test. I was like, please, let me just try to do it in four hours. And they gave me the test, and I finished both parts of the test in like 45 minutes. Damn. It was the, Don't be proud of me. It but was, it was easy. It was so ridiculously easy. Yeah. I, I'm, I couldn't even believe what the hell was happening. So I, then did you get the- Some other kids in class were like sweating, crying, pulling their hair out. I was like, you guys, you guys did not pay attention in second, third, and fourth grade? Yeah, like, that's all this, we're doing that's here. That's all we're doing here, man. Like That's called a rainbow. That's a cloud. Yeah. Mountain, sea lion. That was pretty much all. So I fucking left, and back then- the way you would get your results is you, they give you a phone number and you'd call it and have like an automated message like you have passed, you have yeah. failed, you know? And I called it up like six weeks later, two months later. Actually, it was only a couple of weeks later because I remember the timeline now because it was still – it was in the middle of summer. And I call a couple of weeks later and they're like, congratulations, you have passed. Please show up to the school on so-and-so date to pick up your diploma. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a big boy now. I got my diploma. So my mother never had to sign me out of high school. I never had to tell her I'm dropping out. Because you just had – Because I just went and got my diploma. diploma. Wow. And the way I – I, I only told her once I passed, I was like, hey, mom, listen, you know, high school is just so so boring for me. I'm, you know, I'm way too advanced for these idiots. So I went and I got my diploma. And so you did all this before you even brought it up to her. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, yeah. the, my whole life, I my whole job was to keep my mother from finding out like how terrible I'm doing in life. Yeah. You know, like I always just had to like, you know, my friends were drug dealers and gangsters and everyone's on drugs. So like I just tried to keep her buffered her from and say, that, yeah. you know, because her head would explode. Yeah. Um. So I go to the school to pick up, you know, my diploma and I get there and all these teachers who saw me like cry and beg for the opportunity to take it, they're standing on the front steps and they all look at me and they stand back and they all start clapping. Aww. Like like a, like a Hallmark movie. Like, yeah. you did it, Josh. And in my head, I'm like, they're fucking mocking me, you know, like, yeah. they're, like they're sarcastically laughing and I'm like, all right, you dickheads. And Miss Paula, the beautiful giant black woman walks up to me and she goes, Congratulations, child. And I was like, thank you. I was like, thank you for letting me take it, even though I fucked up. I was, I was like, you know, I was like, I, I know you guys are laughing because, you know, it was just by the skin of my teeth. They're like, no, child. We're all so proud of you. You were being genuine? Yeah, because I was valedictorian. Get the fuck out I swear out to God. I won a two-year scholarship to a college, which I never ended up taking because over the summer, I got recruited to go work on Wall Street as a con artist. Did you so did you go from there and then you end up in Wall Street? Was it when you're in Wall Street, is it like the movies? Were you like wheeling and dealing and like making more money than you knew what to do with? Or like uh, 
For, for my age, yeah. 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 I mean, I went from making like $250 a week to like 10000 a month. Holy know? shit. Yeah. So like, you know, it was a big jump back then. Of course, everything went to food and drugs and yeah. parties and stuff. So were you doing the Wall Street lifestyle, like doing all the crazy parties and everything? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we were still kids, though. So the yeah. thing was like. So you're what, 18, 19 at this point? I'm 16. I was 16 going into Wall Street. So I was okay. turning 17 years old. How old do you need to be to take the Series 6? You got to be 18, 18 years old. Okay. But I was where I was selling stock from the time I got yeah. there. They gave you somebody else's name and you would call people up. And I've done that before. I, I only worked an office job for a little while. But I, when I was on the side of my restaurant gig, I was trying to uh, do financial services. Right. So I went and took like the, the 21 and everything okay. to do life insurance. And right, right. Like life that. and health. Yeah. Yeah. So I took all those tests and I passed it. But then my buddy was like, hey, get out of the restaurants and just go work for this guy full time. Well, I wasn't approved to do some of the stuff in a lot of the states. So they're like, yeah, just use his number. And I yeah. was like, oh, that's it. We can do this. <laughs> they're like, nobody, you know the information. Like nobody fucking cares. Uh, the, the sh the, it's a very trifling business. And I, yeah. was, and I was a little kid. The thing was like, I was really, really good at it. Like I got there the first day I closed three accounts. Damn. Yeah. Like people said, people would just send me thousands of dollars but the thing was i didn't know that it was all a bunch of bullshit yeah. you know like I, I thought i was like i'm building a career and and the thing was what happens is when you work in that business every six months to a year the place closes down yeah because the scam is over it's a pump and dump situation you sell people stock they raise the price they get rid of their shares keep all their money and all the idiots who bought it are left holding the bag that's, yeah that's how that works so yeah we've I, all seen uh what is that uh boiler room no oh, well, wolf yeah, of that, wall street wolf of wall i'll tell street. you a, a story about wolf of wall street and i again i hate swearing on god that often but it's 100 percent true it's it's hard to believe these things so in the movie when the feds closed down Jordan's uh, place that was called Stratton Oakmont. It yeah. was in Long Island. When they closed that down, the team that I was working for, because it was me and a, uh, a couple friends from my neighborhood, and we worked for these older Russian criminals, yeah. you know? And that day, you know, we, I didn't know about this until hindsight, when the feds Busted down uh, Stratton Oakmont. You know, when he was like that famous thing, like, I ain't leaving, yeah. I ain't leaving. Well, he, he left because <laughs> the feds came and they kicked the door down and I ain't fucking leaving. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. yeah. Well, he went to jail and everything. Yeah. And so they, 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 they threw them out of the place, but uh, the they just closed the doors. So everything was interconnected in these types of businesses. So somebody who I worked for knew somebody from there. Could have been Jordan for all I know. And they were like, listen, we need you to go to the office there tonight. They gave us access, the keys and everything. Go in there. Get or maybe it was someone working in that office, yeah. and gave us access to their books to transfer all their accounts before the feds called them, because in in, in the brokerage business there's a thing called an ACAT, it's an account transfer. So you just got to call the guy up, you send them a form, he signs it, and before as long as the feds didn't get to them first, you could transfer their entire account oh, shit. somewhere else. So we were there at like ten o'clock at night till like five in the morning calling just people, just transferring, just transferring accounts over the phone. So and then it was only a, a few years later, someone was like, you know that. Was Stratton Oakmont. He's like, that was Jordan Belfort's place. Holy shit. Like, oh, Look at shit. you. Yeah. Two degrees of separation. I did it, Wall mom. Street. So, when, um, how long did you do the, uh, Wall Street thing for and all the partying and like just the crazy lifestyle? The, the Wall Street was until about, I was about 25, okay. 24, 25 years old. We were hopping from place to place. Um, the thing was like, we did like a few scams and I was like, I don't want to do this, man. Like, I don't feel good. I, I really always had good intentions. I was like, no, maybe this stock is going to be the one. Like, it's. Yeah, because you even mentioned it earlier. You thought you were building a career. You're I like, I'm doing well at this. Like, well, the, the thing was, you know, I did it 
you know, illegally at first because I wasn't even 18 yet. And then I actually went, me and my stupid, retarded friends, you know, we're all like high school dropouts. My friend, you know, his father was a super of a building. We locked ourselves in the basement of his apartment complex and like dum-dums, we wrote big giant oak tags with all the securities rules and we plastered it all over the wall and we studied. Yeah. The three of us and we just studied like day and night and read and read to each other like we did what had to be done and all three of us passed it. And yeah, you did the work. There's kids who go to like Princeton, Yale, you know, Harvard Business and they don't pass that test the first time. I mean, the seven is like this big, yeah. you know? But we passed that, you know, and, you know, we, a couple years, like we went from place to place and like nothing was panning out. And like I told the guys I was working directly under, I was like, I don't want to do this bullshit. I was like, if we and they agreed, I was like, you know, if we actually just had a legitimate business and raise these accounts instead of losing them every fucking two years, like, yeah, we would have we'd have a hundred million dollars in capital. To yeah, invest. you could make a lot more money long term. The problem is a lot of times people – and I know this from when I was in that world for a short time. Everyone was thinking super short term. Right. Like how can I make the most money in the next six months? It's like, yeah, but then you're not going to make any money for six months after that. Like why not we focus on the entire year, yeah. the next five years, exactly. the next 10 years? Because people only have a short-term vision. Yeah. That's it's instant gratification. They're like, no, I'd rather make $10,000 today Quick than $100,000 over the next six months. It's dumb. It's yeah. dumb. And I'm guilty of it myself. But you know, that's what maturity comes. You got to learn these lessons. Yeah. And I mean it's the same thing in comedy where it's like – yeah, you could have a couple things go viral, but don't, wouldn't you rather? I was talking about this with Verzi the other day. It was like, I'd rather have 30, 50, 100,000 followers that are my followers that Solid. listen to the podcast that are going to buy tickets than have a million followers that don't even pay attention to right. anything I'm doing. Right. They just know I did some stupid dance yeah. one time. And so they followed me and then just never unfollowed right. me. Right. It's like, yeah, I would much rather right. have that. A flash in the pan as opposed to the whole cake. I yeah, agree. absolutely. So I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you about a couple of these stories you okay. sent me because we actually – we've been talking a lot about the ex-Drinking Buddies style stories, but we actually didn't get to the, the the stories you sent me yet. Okay. I wanted to ask you about Mexico. When did you go there? Uh, I I was dating a, a lovely woman before I met my child's mother and she was she – was, So this is before the uh, financial thing? This is – Towards the end and after, because what happened? Uh, okay. If you want the end of the of the financial, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Well, so up. what happened was I told you earlier the Operation Wooden Nickel thing happened. Yeah. So then that guy, like we we were trying to do legitimate business. You know, we were trying to invest in legitimate business. That guy gets fucking arrested. That business fails. We tried one more time buying a real estate property. The guy stole five million dollars from us. Get the fuck out of here. Then uh, coincidentally. A year prior, I had worked at a place for like a couple of weeks that uh, like a friend of a friend had friends working there. But like we all know each other. Yeah. And uh, I get a call from my old business partner one day. He's like, yo, go buy the New York Post right now. I'm like, why? He's like, just go buy the fucking Post. So I go out to the to the newsstand and I buy a Post. And it's all the guys I know from that office being arrested, being paraded down Federal Plaza in Brooklyn. So, oh, so you weren't kidding when you said all those other guys got arrested. Everyone got arrested. Everyone got arrested. My friends in that business, drug dealer. But I mean, everyone's out now. You yeah. Know? But like, I didn't want to go to jail. And uh, wow, that's serendipitous. You got out just at the right well, time. Well, the thing, I almost. Well, I did. But the thing was, I knew all, you know, the thing is when the feds bust you, they want everyone to name names of people. Yeah. So they had them name like every person they knew in the business. And they really wanted to get the guys that I was working for. So the FBI came after me and they knocked on my fucking door. And thank God. God, I was still fat at the time because I was like 400 pounds. So I knew they were coming because they came the day before. My friend warned me. Yeah. So I was like, I'm ready for them. And like they got there and I put a pair of like broken spectacles on my face and like a dirty Pink Floyd t-shirt and my gut was like hanging out and I just played 
the schmuck of the century. And, you know, and I didn't rat anyone out and I didn't rat myself out. And after that situation, I was like, if nothing bad comes of this, I was like, I am never fucking doing, you know, trading again. And I walked away from the business and uh, that was the end of my financial services. So you just played the schmuck and the FBI was like, there's no way this guy is fucking. But I was a schmuck. And the truth is like, you know, part of what I was, I, and I told him, I was like, I'm just trying to be a legitimate businessman. I got my, you know, my license. I'm trying to do things kosher. And like, I was like, I just keep getting in the wrong places with the wrong people. And like, I think they felt bad for me or yeah. I, I don't know, whatever it was. Whatever it was, they told me at the end of talking to me, they were like, all right, we're satisfied with what you told us. Um, but if we find out anything you said today was a lie, within the next six years, we're going to hold you in you know, contempt of the government, lying to the federal agency, yeah, this and that. Perjury, just like, yeah. yeah, perjury. It's like a 20-year sentence or something like that. So for six years, which was this, coincidentally the six years that I lost all my wages, probably I wasn't able to just, eat. Just, yeah, freaking out. Yeah. So then uh, after you do the financial thing, you get out of there. You had mentioned that you were going – you uh, did a trip to Mexico. Yes, yes, yes. So I was dating um, I was dating a young girl. She was in love with me. Uh, I was out of business at the time. Cause and I, you're losing the weight now and you're – Well, the thing was when I met her, we were both giant fatties. Okay. Okay? And then one of the things like fell apart with like – you know, I had a friend who passed away and then the thing happened with the FBI coming after me. Like I was like, I got to fucking change my life a little yeah. bit. And so, but she used to take me on these extravagant trips. So this is what she took me to like a five-star resort in Cancun, Mexico, which I've been to four-star resorts, but a five-star, it's like you get there and like they put a bathrobe on you and like hand you a fucking tropical, like it was like excessive, you know, and it was yeah. all like really super rich people. It was actually one of my least favorite trips ever, which is why later on that evening, um, while intoxicated, because when you get drunk back in the day, you need to even yourself out yeah. with cocaine. Gotta get a little bump. Yeah. So I, I couldn't find any on this high end resort, but I found one of the guys and he's like, you can follow me back to the village. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. And I, <laughs> and I told my girlfriend, she's like, are you fucking nuts? She's like, you're going to go off into that mountainside? I'm like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find some, some cocaine now. And uh, then we got into a huge fight. And um, what happened in the jungle? Nothing. I didn't get any coke. You unfortunately. Didn't get any? No, you see, my nose just got wet when you said that, man. No, unfortunately. So when you, I'm assuming the uh, broken bed story is from when you were a big guy. No, 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 no. The, that's that. So the heavy girl. Um, I don't. I don't describe her like that. She was heavy. We were both heavy. I started to lose weight. She refused to lose weight. She told me she's like, "You're gonna lose weight and leave me." And I was like, "Yes, that's correct. Probably. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave exactly you." Gonna and we split up. And then I left her for the devil, my kid's mother. So <laughs> it was. You I get fucked in the end, no matter what. See, like we've been talking about this whole time. Just wait, everybody. Yeah, just, just wait. wait, man. Let me destroy myself. I'll get you there. Um, no, the 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 broken bed story was after I had split with my kid's uh, mother. You know, I was single for the first time in you know seven years, yeah. and I was also in the best shape of my life at that time. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, Fuck yeah, I know. You know, things are uh, you know starting to work out for me, and I'm just starting my comedy career. You know, I'm just starting doing stand up, so I'm having you know feeling better about myself and worse at yeah, times. Yeah, all at the same time. But you know, I uh, I was doing those, a lot of those Tinder dates, you know, and like yeah. I, I went on one of these dates, and she was like some like she was like an improv head, and which automatically I was like, ugh, she's Gross. into improv, yeah. you know. One of my favorite stories about. A comedian, when I first started uh, stand-up, he was like, I went to an improv show the other day, and they asked me for a suggestion, and I said, do stand-up. <laughs> I was like, that's good. I like that's that fucking one. good. Yeah, I've had improv people on before, and I, I you know, I try to respect everybody, but yeah. I'm always just like- No, you can disrespect them. Yeah, I'm like, okay. get the fuck out of here. Okay. Well, and anybody who's trying to be funny, if you can't do it on your own accord, like- 
Get yeah. the fuck out of here. You need suggestions and you need yeah. rules. Yeah. And you, you want need, me to write your jokes you for need you now? Team, right. You need a whole team. Bullshit. Fucking fake. Shout out to all the improv. <laughs> <What's up, Bob? laughs> um, Shout out Second City. All right. Uh, yeah, so- no. So that was, uh, I, I just, I, I went on a multitude of dates and this uh, girl was the first oversized woman I had dated since I had lost the weight. Cause I'm, you know, once I lost weight, I was like, I'm never going out with fatties again. Yeah. All right. But I really dug her. Like she, like she was kind of funny and chill and her pictures were deceiving. So when we hung out that night and we got drunk, triple at, threat. Yeah. We got drunk at my friend's bar and we went back to my house and I had one of those, uh, wooden like a uh, plate bed so like the under the mattress instead of like a spring it's just like plates of wood yeah you yeah. know like just a, the planks yeah, plank, yeah like a plank bed yeah whatever the fuck it's called and uh we were banging on the bed having a drunken hookup and i just remember i was on top of her and i was i'm pounding away and then i just hear <laughs> i heard like one pop and then i heard pop 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 oh, no. Every one of the fucking slats like snapped in half, and the bed like fold the mattress like folded, folded it into in, yeah. itself like a taco. And we were each other, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Oh fuck, man!" And I was so mad because I like I had I was going through like my divorce with my ex. I was never married, but like we're separating businesses yeah. and finances, and I don't have fucking extra money. And I'm like, "This is like a fucking thousand dollar bed." I was like, there's, "There's no fixing this." Oh, thing. so it wasn't like a cheap bed that broke. It no, was like it was a, a bed. really. It was a real bed. It was a real nice bed. And then I ended up just sleeping with my mattress on the floor, floor. for the yeah. next couple of years. Got to, got to. But she, yeah, she she broke my bed. I broke her heart, and I never saw her again. I wanted to ask you. So we got a couple left, but we only have a few minutes. So what, which one would you rather do, the Burning Man or the Hampton story, or the Atlantic City story? Uh, what's I, your favorite out of those three? I th- I think the most entertaining will be Atlantic City. I think Burning Man is a very interesting story. As well, I mean, if, if we're talking about you want, we're, we're mostly talking about partying, right? Yeah, partying. So then we should drugs. probably do Burning Man. Okay, let's right? do Burning Man because we got about five. Well, we got five minutes left. So I went to Burning Man in two thousand nine with some friends of mine. Okay, some guys I used to work with on Wall Street when we were younger. These are like childhood friends, and uh, we went there. My friend he bought a fucking RV from like the seventy. Like we were hooked up, you know. We had everything. The only thing we didn't have was drugs. But it's Burning Man. Everybody, you else know, has everybody drugs. has drugs. Did you bring the? Uh, Badges that you have? From no, the race? no, no, no. No more. It's called a callback. I, I, I'm, and I'm not. I'm not trying to break any more laws and impersonating officers. So we fucking. <laughs> we, <laughs> I would be the one getting arrested. Hey, yeah, yeah. you guys. Well, I, I, I and then it's like of, an off-duty cop, and he's like, "Come here, man." And you're like, "Ah, oh, fuck, shit." Well, so we get to Burning Man, yeah. and uh, we were supposed to have one of the connects from our neighborhood meet us. The first day, like she's supposed to come to our, you know, Burning Man has different camps. She's supposed to come to our camp, meet us there, and give us a plethora of everything. Coke and ecstasy and mushrooms and acid and this and that and this and that and this and that. She was a real hippie. And she didn't show up. Oh, wow. That's... It's day one, and she didn't show up, and I'm at Burning Man. It's supposed to be the greatest experience of my life, and I'm a crackhead, and I'm like, where the fuck are all the drugs? Well, that's a – and I want to make this very clear, especially for the listeners, because we have a lot of listeners who are newly sober, who, like, don't do a lot of drugs or maybe just drank a little bit, but – Getting somewhere expecting, whether it's booze or drugs or whatever. And it's not there. And it's not there is one of the most aggravating and frustrating things because it ruins the entire experience. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, what? I remember when I used to go to parties and they would just have beer because I I was always a liquor guy. And I'd be like, the fuck are we doing? Like, I should not have even come out here. Like, this is a waste of time. 
So when you got there and then the drugs never came, were you I, like... I, well, the thing is, so in Burning Man, one of the rules, unsaid rules, is you're not supposed to ask for drugs. Yeah. In fact, you're not supposed to ask for anything. It's a gift society. So you're supposed to give people stuff and they just voluntarily give shit to you. you it's just the fucking rule. And I had no uh, no etiquette when it came to Burning Man. And they're like, these hippies were serious. I don't know how it is now, but back 10, 12 years ago, they were very serious about it. And everyone was getting sick of me, and it's and now it's going into day two. I'm like we only because so you're asking because I'm asking fucking everyone. everybody. <laughs> but uh, day two in the morning, uh, a new member of the camp shows up, and he shows up with this cool fucking hippie RV, and he comes out and he's wearing a sari. He's a bald. He looks like a guru or yeah. like a cult leader. And I'm like, who the fuck tomato is, tomato? You know, I'm like, who is same thing, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm looking at him like, fuck, is this guy? And I see him, and I'm still being annoying. I'm asking him for drugs. I didn't share a word with this guy yet and I see him and he's sitting there all day long rolling what looks like joints or cigarettes I'm like I don't know what the fuck he's doing but he's there for like three four hours under our tent and just like rolling joint after joint after joint and two three hours later he comes up to me with a stack of joints about this big it was a good like 50 to 100 joints okay nicely rolled too and, he, and he's from Australia and he goes here you go mate he goes this here is the spirit molecule He's like, you know what you want to do is wait till it gets a little dark out and then light one up and you'll be fine for the rest of the day. And I was like, really? And I was, and he's like, this is all for me? He's like, yeah, mate, this is for you. So he gave me, he gifted me like a hundred joints. Wow, that's sweet. But this, I don't know if you know what the spirit molecule no, is. No, It's idea. DMT. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, just wait till nighttime. And I threw one in my mouth, took two steps and started smoking it. So DMT, and it was, um, it wasn't the uh, crystal kind. It was like a uh, plant matter. Smells like death. It's like the, it's. The That's sec- what it is, isn't it? Well, is it's it? what your brain supposedly releases, releases when, you when you're dying. So I fucking smoke in this stuff. Like, and I've done every drug and this was like the equivalent of like peaking on acid. So acid, two, three hours in, you're like hardcore, like everything's melting, you're tripping your fucking ass off. This does that like instantly, like three hits and everything went like stained glass window. Everything was like fucking- Were you panicked or were you having a good time? No, I was loving it. I was like, this is fucking great. And and for the the next day on the trip, and one day I ended up taking a hit of acid then we ate some magic mushrooms. Then we sniffed this thing called San Pedro, is which is what they make. It's the derivative of what they make uh, mescaline out of. Okay. Uh, then we took another hit of acid. Then we did some more DMT. I basically I took like every single hallucinogen in the world, and I was, I like you never hear like you drank your like you can't do it with alcohol. But no, you, yeah. You could smoke yourself with weed sober. Like if you smoke enough weed, you just get like sober. Alcohol, you'll just die. Yeah, as you know. Yeah, but. <laughs> It was the end of the day, and I'm on like 15 different types of party drugs. I'm tripping my fucking ass off, and somebody started a rumor that Daft Punk was playing at the camp across from us. So Burning Man has 50,000 people, and 12,000 showed up in one small part. And I'm tripping my ass off, and everyone's there, and I'm just lying on the floor, and the police show up, because when it's that Uh, many concentration of people, and I'm smoking the DMT on the floor, and I'm cracking up laughing, because everyone's smoking DMT, and weed, and crack, and who knows what. It's all types of smells of drugs and these cops are walking with these police dogs and the dogs are like just, running yeah. they're walking in circles like it's this guy it's this guy it's this guy it's this everybody guy. everybody has something yeah so god yeah that was a great trip dude that's awesome man, yeah, man. that was thank a you. fun way to end it thank you Brent. thank you for having me of course plug everything one more time into the camera follow me at joshua pallet j-o-s-h-u-a p-a-l-e-d follow at the mac all mac 
T H E M A C K A L M N A A C. What the fuck I said? At the Mac Almanac, you can catch it on my page. Um, and uh, we do mics every week Wednesdays at the Producers Club and shows on Saturdays and Thursdays. Beautiful man. Well, thank you again for coming thank on. Thank you, Brandon. Man, of you're course. awesome, bro. This was so much fun. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. One man show in January. Uh, keep an eye out for that at Brennan T Comedy on all social media. BrennanTComedy.com. And subscribe on Patreon. We'll talk to y'all next week. Stay sober, folks. <laughs> Dude, that was awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you.